also so excited. We're going to have um, a baptism at the conclusion of this service. And I am so excited for what God is doing. And he's been speaking to Keith, to Keith's life. And it's good to have your son here as well. Man, good to have you in service with us. And thank you for joining us here today. And we're excited for this baptism. I was I just sat down yesterday and, and had, had a little Bible study with Keith. And the Lord's just been working on his heart. And uh, he said, there's been so many times where I've just, I've just sat and the Lord has just moved so heavily on me. And, and he said, I know it's just time. I have to do this. I have to do this. And so, amen. We're looking forward to that. We're going to have a baptism at the conclusion of the service today. Amen. Before we do, though, I, I, I just want to share what the Lord has laid on my heart for us here today. And, you know, we... This is not a social club. We don't come here just to just to have uh, social gatherings and to. I'm thankful for that part of church. I'm thankful that we're able to come together, and I, I'm glad that we're able to to gather together even outside of, of these meetings. That we've had our connect groups that have uh, encouraged that, and we have all things throughout the week, different ways that, that we can come together. But that's not the real reason that we come and that we gather. We, I, I come and I gather because I want to give God worship. Amen. He's worthy of it, right? Amen. This isn't about me. It's not about any one of us. Come on. This is about giving God the praise, the adoration, the, amen, everything that he is due. He's done so much for me. Amen. He gave his life for me. Amen. I can worship him. But it's also, amen, the purpose of the church. We've been talking about this on, on our Wednesday night Bible studies. The purpose that Jesus sent us with when he left this earth. He said, go and make disciples. Go. And we as, we as a church, we have, um, we have a, a vision statement that we adhere to. That I, I always want to continue going back to. That we gather Amen. We grow, we're, we give, and we go. I, I gather here with each other. We gather for the sake of, of being able to build each other up. I want to grow to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Amen. Every day, I want to become more like Him. I want to grow spiritually. I, I give. In other words, I serve. We are called to serve. We're called to give whatever God has given us. I give my talents, I give everything back to Him. I want to serve God and serve this kingdom. But then also, we must go. This is not the stopping point. I'm not, I'm not here just to be served, but I, we are called to go. We're commissioned to go. Jesus has called us to go. Go and make disciples. I mean, this is, this is why we come. This is why we gather is to be equipped to go and to then sow into somebody else's life. Amen. We have all, every one of us, have been called to be ministers of Jesus Christ. We have all been called to go and to spread this good news, this gospel message. Praise God. You know somebody who needs to hear this. You have somebody in your life right now who, who they it could, could receive this good news and it could tra- transform their life. Amen. I'm thankful that we have this this uh, opportunity still today that the, the windows of heaven are still open and are ready, amen, for us to be able to go and to reach this world. I believe, I believe that 
we are right now living in a time of, of, of revival, of apostolic revival. That this is the day, this is the hour. Amen. When, when God is, is, is waiting, he's, he's pausing. Amen. His return so that we can go and we can reach a lost world. Well, there is, there is a, a, a window of opportunity right now for us to go and we, we ought not to, uh, to just sit back. Well, but let's take this opportunity right now and we need to go and reach a world. Praise God. There was a, a novel that was, was published way back 1859 and became a, a classic of literature, one that's still read in, in schools today. It's written by Charles Dickens. The title is A Tale of Two Cities. I remember reading that novel when I was in 10th grade, I believe. It was 10th grade. We read A Tale of Two Cities and... You know, in this, in this novel, in this book, Charles Dickens, he's, he's contrasting two forces that are at work in this world. The hope and despair that existed at the same time in the cities of Paris and London during the French Revolution. He's looking at hope and despair. And I, I'm not come today to preach the tale of two cities. I don't, that's all, there's good history and all of that. It's interesting. But uh, there he is, he, he does open with this, uh, I think, you know, just a timeless, timeless phrase or paragraph that he opens this book with. He says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Using this pivotal point in history, Charles Dickens in, in this novel, he, he's attempting to help his readers understand one of these deep societal conundrums. And simply put, you could... Put it this way, how can some, some of the best results in human history arise from the ashes of the worst and harshest circumstances known to man? You know, I can't say that I have the, the perfect answer to that. Dickens, he, he proposes his, uh, you know, his answers to that conundrum. But I can't say that what exists deep within some individuals is, is, you know, what is it? What is it that exists deep within some individuals that they have this ever-present possibility of resurrection when everything around them seems to be dying? How can some individuals or some groups or nations, how can they arise from the bleakest outlook just to, to push beyond this this uh, riverbank, this thing that now we have some a, a glorious future that's ahead of us. You know, sometimes even in the this nation that we live in today, there's been some bleak times that that has then pushed out of that and had just just bright future that has come out of something so bleak. For London and Paris, it was it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, all at the same time. Today, I want to 
take you back to a very terrible point in the history of the Israelite nation. God's people, they were on the precipice of a great, momentous, life-altering opportunity. But instead of this triumphant entrance into the land of promise, this moment brought about a very dismal period of time. Moses is choosing out 12 capable men, one from each tribe. They're going to cross over the Jordan River. They're going to go scout out the land, this land that had been held up as the promised land. Ever since they had left Egypt, we're going to the promised land. We're going to take over that land. When you know the story, I'm by no means the first one to preach of this this occasion here in Scripture. What I want you to understand today is, what is it that led them to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? And what was it that caused that wandering to end? See, this story, I believe it, it paints such a, such a poignant picture for us today that, you know, God's people were wandering around in a circle. They were just wandering around in this circle for 40 years. Wandering around. Not, not going anywhere. We see them going from this, this encampment to that encampment. They pack up. They go this place and that place. And they're just, they're just going around. If you, if you map that out, they're just going around in this circle for 40 years. Because they didn't, they didn't go into the promised land. They're, they're busy, but they're going nowhere in particular. When they're busy, they're doing things. They have things that are keeping their, their attention every day, but they're not really going anywhere. See, I think it's too often that the church fits right into that or that we can fit right into that same thing, that, that we are wandering in a wilderness where, where we're just going around and we're busy, but are you really accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish? I would say those are the worst of times. That's not what the church was called to do. That's not what you were called to do. God, he did not build a church for the purpose of wandering. God, he has never called a saint of God only to leave him wandering. Going and walking around or walking through life without a real purpose, without really knowing what God has called me to do, to do. You know, what is my purpose in life? What am I supposed to be doing? It's not just to go, to clock in at work, to clock out, to go home, but I have a purpose that God has placed me for right here in my workplace. You have been called a, called to be a missionary right in your workplace. Every one of us. See, God's perfect plan for your life, it does not include wandering around aimlessly, wasting away in the wilderness day by day. So what led them to the worst of times? We're going to read in Numbers chapter 13. I want to just read some scriptures that uh, are right at this moment. It was Caleb, it says in verse 30, Numbers 13, verse 30, that Caleb stilled the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay? Here's Caleb. He had just returned from his 40-day trip beyond the Jordan River. He was, he was one of the 12 uh, who, who Moses had sent out to go spy this land. And he had come back, and his report was, let's go up at once, let's possess the land. We're, we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, 
But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. I want to just speak for just a short time here this morning on this subject of a tale of two spies. See, Caleb... Caleb had a first-hand account of what the promised land actually had in it. He, he, he was the one. He plucked up from the vines that were in the promised land these clusters of grapes that it says it took two people to carry the clusters of grapes. He saw the cities that he knew were, were a direct promise from God that we can overtake these cities. He knew in his mind, that if God says this is ours, then we can take it. And I, he saw the abundance of the land. He knew that it wasn't just some made up, made up fairy tale when they said that this is going to be a place that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, this is a place of abundance. Caleb, he went, he saw it. Yet he and Joshua were the only two men who, they, who came back believing that they were able to go and possess the land. See, in the year since they had left Egypt, their journey just had one purpose. What was their purpose? We're going to go and possess the land. They had left Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt. They had walked through this wilderness from Egypt to, to the, beyond the Jordan River where God had, had promised this land to them. And their one purpose was we are going to leave our bondage and go into a place of promise. Go into a land. And when they get there, when they get there, Caleb and Joshua are ready. They have faith. But you have ten spies, ten of those who have been sent over, who come back in fear. See, here they are. Now, moments away from the people of Israel rioting against Moses and Aaron. And, and they're, they're wanting to head back to Egypt. The people are, are they're getting ready to kill the man of God who had brought them out of bondage and into the wilderness. Moses, Joshua, uh, for, for Aaron, for Caleb, for, for the, these men, this right here was the very worst of times that they could imagine. Two spies who had a good report, ten spies who came back full of fear. See, the reason that, that I'm teaching this today is because I can see New Life Apostolic Church standing right at the, at the place of the Jordan River, looking over at a place of promise, looking over and saying, okay, we can get there, but we need to have a shift, and we need to go and possess, not be full of fear, but we need to go and possess this place and this promise that God has for this church, for this community. Come on, that God has called us to reach a community of people, and they're waiting they're waiting on us to go. They're waiting on us to, to understand, okay, I have been commissioned. I have been prepared for this moment right here. God has equipped me to go into this lost world and to find somebody who is hurting, find somebody who's lost, find somebody. Come on, there. We, we can have so many people that ought to be coming into these doors every day who are lost and hurting and needing an answer to their problems. And we have the answer. 
I have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. For Moses and Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, for them right now in this moment, this was the very worst of times that they could have imagined. Because the, the ten who came back full of fear, they convinced the whole crowd of people, we can't do this. I can't live in my purpose. I can't live and live up to this thing that God said that we could do. See, the reason one that we're doing this because because right now we need a shift. We need a shift in our mindset. A, there, maybe you've heard that this term, a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift. A paradigm shift is is this thing that it's it's a if you were to define it, it's an intellectually violent revolution. It's it's replacing one conceptual worldview with another worldview. It's in your mind changing and making some fundamental changes to the way that you think, the way that you view yourself, the way that you view the world. And when we are just going through this world and we see ourselves as just this insignificant little piece that, that, that you, know, you don't really make a difference, that's not the way that God wants you to see yourself. If you are a Holy Ghost filled person, if you are somebody who God has called, if you are a child of God, then you are not just some little insignificant person in this, in this great big world, but you have power. You have the power of God residing in you to go. You have the answers. You have the answers that this world is seeking. I want to just go through some of these big paradigm shift kind of changes that we can see in scripture see abram abram he had to physically depart from the country in which he had his family had always lived he was 75 years old and god says i'm calling you out to go somewhere different at 75 years old abram left he had this this faith that god uh, was, was sending him in a new direction then at 99 years old, God says, I want to make a covenant with you. We need to have some, uh, we need to have circumcision that's going to take place. He did that at 99 years old. At that point, God renamed him Abraham. He said, you're not just Abram, but now you are the father of many nations. And yet he hasn't had a child. Moses, he had to take off his shoes in the presence of God. He had to watch out. Look as his hand turned leprous, as the snake or as, as the staff that he had in his hand turned into a snake. He looked at this, and in the paradigm shift that was happening in Moses was that he no longer, when God was calling him, when God was calling him to be a leader to lead all the people out of Egypt, he had to realize this is not my leadership skills. This is God. When he saw his hand turn leprous and he saw his staff turn into a snake, he understood this isn't about me. This is about God. This is about God leading through me. This is about God. Come on, doing something that I cannot do. I have doubts about my leadership abilities, but God can do it. And I see God's working uh, right here. And there's a paradigm shift that was happening in Moses as God is waking him up and saying, hey, look, I've called you for a purpose. And you understand that if you are going and living in that purpose and that plan, then I am with you. I can do it. Where you can't do it, I can do it. The Levites, the, the, the Levites, they had perform, performed the service of the tabernacle. They had to uh, experience a shift in their entire lives. Everything that they did had to be done with this reminder that they were holy before God. Their clothes 
their actions, even the food that they ate. All of this had to be holy before God unless they were going to die in the presence of God if they didn't have this shift of mindset that I need to be holy. Peter's, Peter's worldview, it shifted after Jesus' resurrection. We see Peter who is scared, who is denying Jesus the night that Jesus was hung on the cross to, uh, to the man who would stand on the day of Pentecost and declare because he had seen his Savior resurrect. He's the one who's standing and saying, I don't care, throw me in jail, do whatever you want to me. I know that you've already killed my master, but I have had a shift in my mindset. I've seen my Savior resurrect. I have his spirit dwelling inside of me. Come on, there's something different in me. He went into the streets. He went into the temples. He went into the houses. He was preaching the name of Jesus. He had no fear of any kind of retribution. There was a shift that took place in his mindset. Well, there's a paradigm shift that is necessary to take you from one place before you can ever enter into the next level and go beyond the border of where you are at. Well, if you're living in the border, in the, within the borders of ordinary right now, God wants to take you out of the ordinary. God wants to take this church out of just the ordinary. Well, you've heard, you've heard just some, some testimonies today, and I know we were focusing on just some financial blessings. We could open this up, and you could hear some other incredible testimonies of what God has done. Come on, but this, these things ought to be happening on a regular basis, because this is not an ordinary God that we serve. Well, God is alive today. Well, there are things that he's doing right now, even today, right now in this moment, that are way beyond what just an ordinary person or an ordinary church could do. Because God is so much bigger than what we can ever imagine or think. God goes beyond the ordinary. But if we want to get beyond the ordinary and living in the ordinary come on, confines that we have set for God, then we have to have a paradigm shift and believe that God is able. Come on, it's going to take something from me, an extra step, an extra level of me getting beyond where I'm comfortable right now to a place where I say, God, I put my full faith, my full trust, everything in you. A paradigm shift. The 12 men that traveled into the promised land. And two of them returned believing that God would provide a way for them to make, to go and possess that land. Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two that came back believing that. They didn't have this handbook for defeating giants. They didn't know how they were going to do it. But in their worldview, that didn't matter because God was going to make a way. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to fill every one of these seats. I don't know. Come on. I believe that God has called this church to be a commissioning church. To go. Come on. We, we should have preaching points all throughout this place. We should be filling homes with Bible studies. We should be filling places and starting churches and launching churches from out of this church. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I believe it will. I think we maybe have a couple people who might believe that it will. But I believe that that's exactly what God has called us to do. In this moment, in this hour, we cannot just sit back and just play church. This isn't about playing church. 
Well, we need to let the Holy Ghost take root and it's going to spread like wildfire amongst us because the Holy Ghost, come on, it ought to go before us and take us to a place that we don't even know what the, what the handbook is. But God is here. If he's leading the charge, then I trust him. I believe him. Oh, and that's what Joshua and Caleb, they said, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to happen. I see the giants. I see the walled cities. I see the people. But and, and I have no handbook for defeating them. But I trust God. And I know that God is able. You have ten men who come back. Ten men. And they say, we can't go up. I'm not stronger than them. I, I, I'm not able to do it. The land, yeah, it has its parts that are beautiful, but there's also some cliffs, there's some swamps, there's these things that, you know, they can kill you. Not to mention the fact, well, there's giants that are living there. We can't do it. Well, isn't that just like us? We get charged up inside these four walls. On our way home, driving from church, you say, I, I can't do that. The world's pull is stronger than the, the pole that, that in the spirit. The world's pull is stronger than, than what I have to offer. I don't know how I'm going to show somebody else this, this truth. Come on, they're always going to be pulled more by the world. Come on, this is, this is failure thinking here. This is failure thinking. This is the ten spies thinking. This is the worst of times, that kind of thinking. Nobody, nobody you know, you're thinking, nobody wants to hear what I have to say to them. If I try to teach a Bible study, I'm just going to get eaten alive. I'm going to be asked a question, and then I'm going to just fall off a cliff, or I'm going to get stuck in a swamp. I'm not going to know how to get out of it. Well, not to mention the fact that I'm not perfect. And I still have a couple of giant roadblocks in my own life that are keeping me from from advancing. And so how can I help somebody else? Well, these are this is this is the ten spies kind of thinking. That, that kind of thinking that says, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to have all this figured out. I've got to know, you know, all these things before I go in and I advance. I can't do it. And here we are, we're stuck because of fear. And I'm not talking fear today of some disease. I'm talking fear of, of, of accomplishing what God has truly called us to accomplish. Of being the people of God that God has called us to be. Well, that includes living a life of holiness. That includes living a life that is full of prayer. That's called, called, that includes living a life, come on, that would go above and beyond because that, those are the things that dispel the fear from our life. When we say, God, I need this. God, this, this world needs my voice. This world needs this church. Come on, this world. Come on, it needs to have an apostolic presence in it. Come on, when you get, a, get that deep down inside of you, you're driven to your knees and you say, Lord, take out the fear that's inside of me. Come on, in a, in a paradigm shift begins to happen in your mind because here you are no longer thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about how God can do it through me. How can God do this through me? Well, if God has called us to reach this world, then how can he do this through me, using me, an imperfect person? He can do it. He can do it. Now, I want you to know, it it was not a lack of unity that caused the people to not go into the the promised land. Because they were unified. They were just unified in the wrong direction. There was, 
there was this, this unity that they had. In fact, if we, we can go to Numbers 14. They were unified. It says, all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried. And the people, they wept that night. And all of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? On all the congregation, all the children of Israel, the whole congregation, they were unified. The problem was, they weren't heading in the same direction as the man of God. They had four men, Joshua, Caleb, Moses, Aaron, saying, Go into the land. And then you had everyone else unified together saying, we can't go into the land. We can't go. On unity, it's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing. In fact, Genesis 11 says that the Lord, he came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Unity is a powerful thing. Unity, it can, it can push you in directions. In fact, it can push you in a good direction, or if you're unified and go in the wrong direction, it can push you in the wrong way. And we had better know which way God is leading this church. We can be unified all we want, but if we're not going in the way that God is leading this church, then that unity means nothing. Well, we can be unified and say, come on, I'm comfortable just coming on Sundays and maybe every once in a while tuning in on a Wednesday night. Come on, but if you are just comfortable doing that, that is not really what God has called me to do. It's not a serve culture in the church. God has called me. Well, it's not about me being served all the time. It's about me serving, about me ministering. It's about us fulfilling what God has called us to do, to be servants to others. If we're not unified with the vision of God, then we had better, come on, take another look and say, Lord, stop me right here in my tracks. Don't let me take another step. God, if you need to just me break away right now so that I can go and fulfill the calling that you have for this church, then God, I'm willing to go and be different. I'm willing to stand out. God, I'm willing. Come on, the pastor, come on, you're, listen, come on, as I begin to just try to to push us in the way that I feel God leading this church. No, I, I care for you. I care for your soul. And, 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 and I'm trying my best to lead this church in the direction that this ministry and this, this church can be fruitful and that we can reach this world. Well, we've got to get on board. Come on, but, or else we're going to be in danger of unifying in a way that would cause us to wander. 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 Aimlessly in a wilderness. Going nowhere fast. And the other two spies, there are two more spies that they traveled into the promised land. This is, we're fast forwarding 40 years. I don't know if this is the reason why, but now Joshua being in charge, I don't know if he said... Well, last time I sent 12 in, that didn't work out. Or last time Moses sent 12 in, that didn't work out. Only two of us came back. And so this time I'm just sending two in. And so he sends two people, two spies to go into the promised land this time. They crossed over the Jordan River. They traveled to the city of Jericho. 
They barely escape with their lives there in Jericho. They have a small army of men chase them from the days that they came into the promised land until they finally go and they hide in a mountain for three days until they lose those men. Finally, the two spies make it back to Joshua and Caleb at the camp, or at the camp of Israel. And here's the words that they said. They said to Joshua, it's Joshua 2.24, Truly the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land. For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. (laughs) What a shift in mindset. Here they are. They've just been chased by an army. They've gone. They're running for their lives. They get back and they said, they're scared of us. They're scared of our God. Come on, let's go in. Let's possess the land. This is the time. This is the hour. Come on, this is what God is calling us right here to have this kind of mindset to say, I can do it. We can do it. Come on, this world, yes, the devil has a grip on this world that I don't know how to break every bondage. I don't know how to do it, but I know that prayer can. And I know that if we go and we release, come on, the Holy Ghost filled people into this world, that there can be a harvest in these last days. God has promised a harvest in these last days. Well, this congregation of Israel, they had experienced the worst of times. They'd walked in circles. That's all they'd known. The death every day. The 40, well, all these people in those 40 years of wandering, all of those who were aged 20 and over died. All of them, except for Joshua and Caleb. So this is what they had experienced. All they knew, even Moses and Aaron, they died before they could cross over the Jordan River. So out of the bleakness of the past 40 years of wandering, there came a paradigm shift in two spies. People who live in a promised land, well, they may be strong, but they're afraid of us. They're afraid of the God that we serve. When there was a unity now of the people that caused a rallying cry to go in and possess the land. They were saying in unity, come on, we need to be purified in unity, the pe- we see the people fasted. In unity, they prayed. In unity, they allowed the ark of the Lord to lead them instead of being right there in the midst of them. In unity, they built an altar. In unity, they built a monument to say, come on, let us not forget that God goes before us. I'm coming to a close here. If we can have our musicians come. We're called for a purpose. We're called as a church. Every one of us plays a part. If you're here today, if you're watching online, amen, if you're part of this church, we, we are called together in unity. For this day, this hour, I believe that we are living in a time right now, living in a time of the precipice of revival. Where God is wanting to rain down his blessings. Where God's wanting to rain down, come on, his, his healing power. Come on, there are those who are hurting. There are those who they need healed. Come on, God, in fact, we're going to see it here in just a moment. God wants to wash away somebody's sins. Not just somebody, but God wants, come on, 5, 10, 20 people should be coming into this place every week. Saying, I need the saving name, the saving grace of Jesus Christ to be called out over me. Come on, there ought to be every week a flood of people. People who are coming in. Well, Monday night, it doesn't matter. Come on, we'll come up. If somebody wants to be baptized, they can be baptized. Thursday, it doesn't matter. Come on, the baptismal's ready. Let's have them baptized. They have the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ in the need to be saved. Then let's do it. 
On there ought to be prayer meetings that last well into the night. Last uh, Friday night when we gathered together for Good Friday prayer, I was so encouraged. I left this place so encouraged, feeling, come on, the, the very precious presence of the Holy Ghost just moving in this place. There ought to be prayer meetings where we see people healed. Oh, we've seen prayer meetings where people are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost just right in the midst of a prayer meeting. Cancer can be removed. Tumors can fall off a body. Well, deaf ears can be opened. These are not things that are just happening 2,000 years ago. I'm seeing the testimony of this happening still today. Have we lost our faith? Have we lost our faith? Has our faith diminished so much that we think our God is just an ordinary God? I don't serve an ordinary God. I serve an extraordinary God. Well, there ought to be hundreds of thousands of people who would enter into the sanctuary and experiencing the under the unending love of God. There ought to be, come on, we ought to be a sending church, an apostolic church where revival can sweep over this land. Apostolic revival is anything but ordinary. It flies in the face of ordinary. Well, we got to change if we could stand right now. We need to change. If we want to be part of the generation that experiences this revival, we need a change in our hearts. I need a change in my direction. I need a change in my approach that can free me to do whatever it is that God is asking me to do. Come on, God is calling you right now. If you feel that calling, if you feel that prompting right now, why don't you just lift up a hand if you want to make your way up to an altar you can do that as we prepare for this baptism here today come on God is calling you to lead this change come on this this doesn't just happen it happens through prayer it happens through fasting I've had two people just in the past day who, who are saying I, I need to go on an extended fast come on pastor how can we do this how can I how, show me show me what, what we need to do in, in order to go through this come on, come on God is calling he's preparing people right now Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. On this time right now, on is a time of preparation. It's a time of shifting in our mind. Because the God. 